0: Mm-hmm. Hello, I am Jackie Miller, high conflict divorce coach and consultant and host of this podcast out of crazy town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. I have a fantastic guest for you on today's episode, Anthony Bompiani, better known as Judge Anthony, is a retired judge and family law attorney turned strategist, consultant and coach. He's been helping people in the areas of divorce and custody for nearly 20 years. Today Judge Anthony and I tackle the issue of false parental alienation claims. Judge Anthony walks us through why these claims are made and how to protect yourself from them. We touch on many other aspects of divorce and custody as well and get to hear Judge Anthony's insight as a former judge and family law attorney and how you can successfully navigate through this incredibly difficult time. Okay. Hello, Anthony Bompiani. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast, Out of Crazy Town, your guide to divorcing a narcissist. And uh, I'm going to call you Judge Anthony because that's what you're better known as, correct?
1: Yeah, sure. Perfect.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I'm super excited to have you on the show. I'm addicted to your TikToks.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it.
0: Thank Partly because they're amazing and they're true and they have fantastic advice, but also for your humor.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, it's like the worst time. I mean, you know, it's the worst time for people to be going through it. So if I can use my kind of silliness and quirkiness to kind of make people snicker, even if it's some of the cheesy stuff I do, then it's worth it because you have to laugh through it or else you're going to drive yourself completely crazy, you know?
0: You're right. You have to laugh at it. And I let, I, I showed my daughters. like <laughs> And you dress up as a woman and you have your cold roller going on your face. And I'm like, no offense. I'm glad you're a man. Let me just yeah. say that I I don't know if you'd be able to pull off the girl
1: thing. <laughs> I'm glad. It makes me feel good.
0: <laughs> um, well, I know you was just giving you a hard time before we started recording about you not having your baseball cap on because I've noticed you're known for your hats. It looks like.
1: Yeah, I try to mix them up. Like right now, this is the one I usually wear. It's my Cardinals hat because the Cardinals are kicking butt in the uh, NFL. I think they're they're like the number one team in the NFL. So my fiance got me that one. So I've been wearing that one a lot. But yeah, I try to mix it up. I try to you. know know add a little bit of uh my own little style to it and things that are important to me and things that i like so but today i have on this because i'm freezing because i'm in pennsylvania just outside of pittsburgh and it's like 41 degrees or something like that and i'm I'm getting used to the Arizona weather. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Your Arizona hat did not go uh, unnoticed, and I know they're number one in the NFC West. Yeah, yeah,
1: we're actually, I'm excited because uh, Candy and I are actually going to the uh, Monday night game when they play the uh, Los Angeles Rams, which should be like the NFC showdown. Um, I think it's December 13th, so we're looking forward to that. Their coach is awesome, and their players are all like, I mean, most of them are young. There's a couple of veterans on the team, but most of them are young and they're all seem like really guys. So that's, it's good to see them start to thrive, really. So Absolutely. So I'm glad. Yeah. Yep. I think they're yep. going to be around for
0: a while. Well, I could talk football all day, but anyway, I know the reason yeah. I had you on the show was to talk about the lovely topic of divorce. And um, yeah. you obviously know a lot about it because you were not only a family law attorney for over 20 years, but then a yep. judge. And yep, yep. it sounds like then you went through your own separation and divorce and have three sons. And so there's the custody component. And you were like, oh my God, this sucks. I should go help people. That's figure exactly this what out.
1: happened. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, I, I had my background uh, in the law. I have a background in psychology too. I have a you know a bachelor of science in psychology, so I'm certainly not licensed to treat anybody or anything like that. But I have a general understanding of, of how it works, and and plus it's one of my hobbies. I kind of geek out over human psychology, so I'm always constantly reading and you know researching and digesting and listening to different podcasts and everything. So. Uh, You know, I've had that experience. Um, I've built on that experience, I should say, for the past twenty plus years. And then being in the legal field and being an attorney and and being on the bench. And then, like you said, I went in uh, two thousand towards the end of two thousand and seventeen. I started on my own separation. Our marriage was kind of falling apart uh, a little bit up till that point. And then, uh, you know, we made the decision to separate, and it was. The most difficult thing i've ever gone through in my life i mean telling uh, our children about it i mean i can't think of a moment in my life that was worse you know than, than that day things got bad when i say bad i mean bad for me and bad for my ex i don't mean bad compared to other people because we certainly had it a lot easier uh, than a lot sure. of other people that I've seen throughout my career, but that being said, it hit me so hard from a mental and emotional and even physical standpoint. You know, I was kind of tearing up my body with with stress and just uh, you know inflammation and and uh, things like that. And then it hit me that you know I'm probably the most equipped a person in the world to go through this. You know, I have the background in psychology. I understand why I'm thinking and feeling the way that I'm feeling. I understand why my ex is thinking and feeling and acting the way she is. You know, I understand everything from a legal perspective. I understand why my kids are reacting that way, but I still still so hard to deal with. So I figure, well, shoot, if I'm if I have these problems, if I'm the literally like the, the one of the most equipped people in the world to go through it and I'm having problems. Well, then what are all of the people that don't have the education and the experience that I have going through? So then, yeah, I made made the decision to kind of start trying to figure out different ways to help people. Things progressed and build, And I first came out with uh, basically a free Facebook group for people to just come in that I would like just go live in and help. And then I created a webinar for people and then I promoted this program. I basically offered live group coaching to, Mm -hmm. to a certain set of people that wanted in on it. And then we created the program from there of 2019, I, I recorded the program live. I think once I finished my live group coaching, I think it took about two weeks and I got uh, my first testimonial that was like, you know, I used Whoa. everything. I got everything I wanted. I can't believe this. And like, even talking about it today, I still get chills because I was like, holy shit, like this, this, this works. Like th- I can help people. I can There's do this. I can. Huge need. I can. Yeah. yeah. So then I just kept building on it. My fiance and I laugh now because I tell her looking back, like when I first created, it I called it like the custody court success training program for good parents or something like that like (laughs) something that was obviously not meant to like explode into this big thing you know but then as time went on I just kept modifying and rebranding it and making it better and perfecting it and you know and the testimonials just continued to grow and grow and grow so I split off a couple other programs and I'm working on some new ones and then I i Started on TikTok, uh, you know. Other than maybe a few videos I made with my kids, like fun videos that have nothing right. to do with anything, meaningless uh, quarantine type videos, you know. I saw a other couple of than- the,
0: the vibe videos with your son.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I think I started in March of this year, and all, and we're approaching 250,000 followers. Um, wow. And it's yeah, and it's just a testament. Like I, I don't. I don't say that because I think I'm something special or anything. I say that because there's obviously a need for it. Like, you know, I'm sure you see it in your podcast and I'm sure you feel the same way. My TikTok would not grow where it is if it wasn't for all these people that are not only needing the material, but also telling me what they need. You know, it's probably the same for you with your podcast. Yes. I, I, I keep my thumb on the pulse of what they need and and how I can help them and then I just continue to do that and then more people just come on board so the service aspect but as you know is the the most important thing and that's where the growth is going to come from um so that's just what I continue to do
0: That's awesome. Well, I know you cover so many different topics which is awesome when just watching your TikTok and you know Instagram and going on your website and all the programs that you provide and then one just stuck out to me one day i get a lot of clients saying i'm afraid my ex is going to claim alienation and i'm really really not and but this is yeah. why and and i see it a lot and i just had two potential clients this morning worried about it and i'm so happy when they come to me first because i'm like okay we can you know do something with this and i listened yeah. to one of your uh, tiktok posts about it and i thought you know what that's one topic i'm going to call Judge anthony about and like just so there's so much knowledge that you have we could sort of pare it down to one topic and then from there i know there are a million tangents but One of the things I wanted to ask you about is why the other side makes these false
1: allegations. What have
0: you seen? Why do they claim there's alienation when there's not?
1: Well, here's what happens, okay? there's a few things that happen um, and, and you're, you're primarily focused on divorcing a narcissist right you're the, the program high conflict
0: so, yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah so a lot of people know they're in a, that are listening they're in a high conflict in, in and narcissistic type relationship well there's always that element of control that's needed right so what happens is, is when you separate from a narcissistic type individual or even in a high conflict case and you have primary custody to start you know even before a parenting plan or a court order or anything well that automatically right out of the gate takes control away from the person that needs control to survive right they Mm. need control it's like their food and water and oxygen so what they do is they try to automatically come up with something to regain control okay and so that's that's on their end and whenever you're looking at on the other end of the person that is basically has custody and is being accused of alienation what happens there is they have a certain experience with that person, um, whether it be an abusive experience or just, just a high conflict experience where they're manipulated and controlled or whatever. It's still sure. a situation that should, they should, nobody should have to go through. Right. Well, they get then into a situation where they take those experiences and feelings and apply them to the children, usually rightfully so, sometimes wrongfully so. Like, But they do, in what I call, they they are basically doing a balancing act between the protecting and the alienating, right? Because they're not trying to alienate. They're trying to just protect mm-hmm. safety in the best interest of the children. But that opens the door immediately to someone who's looking for a counter argument to regain control, to say alienation, because protection and alienation, they're very, very close. The only things that really separate them are, are the intent and the actual data, the evidence, right? Which sometimes can't be proven. It can't be proven because it's he- either hearsay from a biased witness because it's from the actual person. So they're obviously have a vested interest in it. So they're not necessarily the most credible person. So that's why it happens so much. And that's why you hear the term thrown around all of the time. And typically it's going to be in a situation where there is some sort of abuse or high conflict or something like that. Is it always warranted for for them to do that? No, it's not. But sometimes it is. And those people that are doing it rightfully so, you know, it's good that you and I are going to get into this topic because they need to know how to counteract that, that argument, you know, because it's a very serious thing. I, I practice a little bit. I don't take on any new clients. I kind of just have cases that I wrap up. But I do okay. a lot of consulting. now. I do a ton of private consulting and group consulting through all different jurisdictions in the country. And the reason why I'm telling you that is because people from all different country are saying that this is becoming a very hot topic. Yeah. And a lot of courts sometimes are siding with the person that is making uh, alienation allegations right. and pulling the children from the person that's making abuse allegations, yeah. right? If the court's correct, then it's then it's a good thing. Or if somebody's making false allegations uh, to someone and they're just keeping the children, then it's a good thing. But it's such a slippery slope because if they're not It's one of the most disgusting things that can be done to to pull uh, children from a a party, an innocent party, who is just afraid based on their own legitimate experience and is just trying to do what they can to protect the children. So that's... That's why it's a good topic to get into because it's very sensitive and very, uh you know, frequently.
0: Yeah, uh, it is. It is. Way. And right when it when it does go wrong, it's, it's really wrong. And obviously yeah. the children are the ones that make out the worst in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so one word you said is so important. You're right. Intent because mm-hmm. again, kind of going back to where I'm talking to clients, they'll say, but I, I'm not meaning to do that. It's all about then the court's perception and helping yep. them understand how we, they're being perceived. And yep. so again, you've, you've done, you know, some presentations and spoken on this. It's really important for them to sort of know the tools and be strategic on how to then protect themselves. So what do you suggest?
1: Yep. Well, first off, what they want to do is they want to get, um, get acquainted with the actual definition of alienation. You know, a lot of the times the terms thrown around, But people don't really know what the elements are. You know, I did a TikTok video months and months ago, basically about making any argument in court. And I used a banana in the in the um, in the video. And I basically said that if you were trying in court to prove that this was a banana, you wouldn't just walk in and say this is a banana. Can't do that. That's not how it works in court. What you would have to do is find out the definition of the banana, which is like I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like a flesh peel fruit that's dense and I, I, whatever it is. Right. You would find Find that definition and then you would prove the elements, whether it be on your own testimony or the testimony of an expert in bananas or the testimony of someone else who saw it and can testify to the elements of it to prove it. It's the same with any issue in court, anything you're trying to prove in court. It's the same with alienation. Based on that, the best thing for that person, those people to do that are trying to figure out how to counteract this, this allegation is to first find out what the definition is. Because alienation, it's not a legal term, at least in most... Right. Right. That I'm familiar with. Me too. Um, I urge everybody if they're tr- if they're trying to counteract this, then they want to be familiar with that definition. So then, what happens next? Well, once they're familiar with that definition, now they're familiar with what the other side is going to need to prove. Right, okay. Right. So then, what they want to do with their actions and their tone and their communication and language in general is to try to do everything in the opposite of that definition to show. Right, that they're not alienated. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that they need to be fake or that they need to, you know. I agree. change your life or lie yes. or whatever, yes. but your intent, like we talked about earlier, that word, your intent can be misinterpreted. If you're misinterpreted, if you're not acting and communicating this with the same tone that you want to, that you right. should be, you might not even be aware of because, right. you know, let's face it. This, this is, I always say it's the perfect storm of emotion when you're in any divorce, let alone in a divorce with children right because every single thing about it is emotional right you everything have your kids broken hearts you have your own broken heart you have a, a, an angry ex who has a broken heart you have everybody watching you and judging you and your community judging you it's the perfect emotional storm which what that does then is it doesn't allow us to think clearly so then right. sometimes we have no idea how we are acting and how we are portraying ourselves right 100%. so if you zero in on this particular issue and on any issue really on that definition, and then you start changing your behaviors and your communication tone and style and the things you say and type and write. So that's number one. So for an example, you know, one of the things that comes about a lot of with alienation, not permitting any sort of telephone contact or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. So you'd want to try to permit telephone contact and and then you would want to keep a record of that so that you can then point to when you are permitting and or encouraging telephone contact. right? Right? No extra time or extended time. Now, I know this is a very difficult topic, especially for people leaving a narcissistic relationship, because the theory is out there that if you give an inch, they take a yard, you know, and if you start to give a little bit, well, then they start to manipulate that and control that. And while I understand that, since we're zeroing in on the topic of alienation, it's something that at least needs to be considered if you're truly trying to counteract that allegation, right? Mm -hmm. So that's basically the first step in it. The second step in it is that if something does not work, so say that the other side asks for, you know, an extra period of time with the child and it doesn't work. Instead of just saying that doesn't work, the second step that I'd like to talk about is to offer solutions or offer alternatives, you know what I mean? So, well, I'm sorry, that doesn't work, but how about, you know, next week on November 10th to show that this isn't trying to just cut off the relationship. This is just, it just didn't work. Like we all have our schedules, we all have our priorities, right? And a lot of the times, if you have somebody on the other side, who's just trying to manipulate to make the allegation of alienation, they're probably not going to go along with that alternative. Right. You know what I mean? Because they want you to say no, right? Because with people like that, it's not actually about seeing the kids. It's about being told no. Yep. So that you can try to rip them from you, right? right? And then finally, the the last thing that I would suggest uh, doing would be, uh, and, and and again, this is can be sensitive for some people if they were in, a, especially in an abusive relationship. It would be to consider uh, reconciliation therapy with the child, right? So say you're in a situation where the child just doesn't want to go mm-hmm. see dad or mom or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. And you're genuinely not not creating that, you know, you're genuinely not coaching that or creating that prohibiting that relationship. But say that's a thing. Well, if they come back and say, you know, Anthony is keeping my kids from me, they're not letting, they, they're they're coaching the child and, and our son into not wanting to come with me. In that position, if someone was accusing me of that, my counter-argument would be, you know, basically, hey, it's not me doing it. Why don't we schedule some sort of reconciliation therapy because then maybe the child will feel comfortable and the relationship will be mended, right? Then that reflects. On the person, why would they suggest that if they were trying to prevent that?
0: Absolutely. So that at
1: least would get you out of the argument of parental alienation. Now, granted, sometimes that's a sensitive thing. Sometimes people don't want to do that. Sometimes sure. people are afraid to do that. And that's a decision you have to make. But if you don't want to do it, that's one way you could potentially right. be open in yourself. To well, alienation.
0: and to your point, all of this advice is awesome. But working with some a coach or a consultant is really nice because you can get specific right with your situation. And so yeah. you're right, I'll, because you do need to be true to yourself. Like you said, don't lie, don't make things up. But there are, things specific to your situation that you can come up with that you can brainstorm about that are verbiage that you feel comfortable using you feel true to yourself about that start to make you look you know really cooperative like you said that you can offer alternatives for look i really do want to work together to make this happen pretend a judge is reading every single word of this right just pretend even if they never do so if you're reading this and your answer is no, that doesn't work. When they're done reading it, they need to feel like you are so cooperative and yep. looking for you know alternatives and looking for answers. And the other thing I like about your bringing in you know some sort of therapy. And I I have a situation going on like this right now. Daughter does not want to see dad at all. It is not mom. She did the smart thing. She went and got a therapist, and now. Therapist tells dad, look, she's not ready yet. We're getting there, we're working on it, and now it's no longer coming from mom. A mental health professional is weighing in with their opinion and you've sort of removed yourself and you're no longer the messenger of that bad news.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And then what, what happens then after that is it basically feeds into another argument that, that I have liked that I like to make in the past with alienation. It's worked like a charm so many times um, when, when I was practicing full time and now as a consultant, it works for clients and that's basically, and you can use this at any moment. Once that happens, it's even more powerful because a lot of the times If there's an alienation allegation, there's some sort of reason for person keeping the child whether it be a drug and alcohol history or an abuse history or anger issues or whatever Mm -hmm. criminal record whatever so then the other party is always saying alienation right well the the one tactic that i always have used very successfully as an attorney and my consulting clients have used it is to basically point out the fact to the court that that person he or she refuses to accept any sort of responsibility at all for their actions so now if you have a professional saying it and this person continues to make alienation allegations every single time they open their mouth about it literally like i've done it so many times as an attorney in court where the other side will say you know well mom's just alienating or dad's just alienating and every single time it would be You know, your honor, again, this is Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so refusing to accept any responsibility, you know, and maybe, you know, follow up would be and maybe just maybe the child is observing this exact type of behavior. And maybe that's why they do not feel comfortable because they do not accept any responsibility for it. Right. Yep. And you have a professional saying that the child feels this way and then they continue to negate that and attack the other party for alienation. Well, then it's even stronger argument to say, Your Honor, they are refusing to even acknowledge how the child feels. Got right? it. They, because even if they genuinely believe that there is a coaching element going on, sure, you would think that if their child feels a certain way, they would want to fix that. Yes. And you don't fix that by just saying like they're coaching your honor. This is bullshit. Like they're lying. It's, that's all lies. It's everybody else's fault. Yeah. You would do it by look, your honor. I don't feel that I'm, if, if you were a genuine person, you would, your argument would be your honor. I really don't feel like I'm doing that, but I would like to get to the bottom of it. So yes, I'd like to continue in this. And then you would do everything in your power to make the child feel comfortable. Right. Yep,
0: absolutely. And I love yeah. hearing that from you as a former judge, as an attorney, yeah. Because everybody messes up. Nobody's perfect. Yep. The court, from my perspective, so you tell me. Loves to see when people go. I screwed up. How can I make it better? I mm-hmm. want. I want professional advice. Yep. Give, give, I, there's no rule book for this. Please yep. help me. And yep. you know. And, and you're right. So the, they kind of can't have it both ways. You can't be right. claiming alienation then refuse to acknowledge when there is help and cooperation being offered, and then refuse to do anything right. right. For yourself.
1: Yeah. And a lot of the times, if it is truly a narcissistic person or a person with true issues, like I said, whether it be abuse or drug and alcohol or anger, whatever true issues. Typically what's going to happen and the most recent case that I finished as an attorney, it happened in it. I was representing mom and and, uh, dad had uh, drug and alcohol issues and we suggested reconciliation therapy based on the guidance that I'm just sharing with you guys. And What happened was and what typically happens is in those situations is the parent ends up giving up because the parent is not truly interested in mending anything. Right. They're interested either in making things equal or making the other party hurt or suffer or getting control. You know, they're not genuinely concerned with fixing any of the issues that the child may have or that your relationship with your ex may have. So oftentimes they'll, instead of jumping through all of those hoops, they'll give up. They'll give up because they get so frustrated with it and they don't want to take any responsibility for it. They might put on a show for a little bit, you know, like they all do when they're in court or in therapy or whatever, but to do it over the course of time to make things right, usually. If they're the person that that you think they are, then they're not going to follow through with it.
0: Yep, absolutely. And this all sort of bleeds into documentation somewhere. And I've also heard you talk about um, evidence, kind of how to document. And I believe you mentioned like three buckets. That, yeah. Am I right? What are those?
1: Yeah. So the three bu- buckets that you want to focus on basically, and these are obviously just general, you want to have favorable evidence for you, negative evidence for the other side, evidence regarding the other side's credibility. Okay. So that's, those are basically the, the three buckets that. You're going to have now. I always hear people say, you know, document, document, document. I'm not actually a fan of just document everything, right? For a few reasons. Uh, number one, you're going to drive yourself completely crazy, right? I wanted to but, ask
0: you about that in a second, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah,
1: you're going to be, you know, I think Tony Robbins' his line is where focus goes, energy flows. Yes. So your energy is going to be solely on your case. Yep. Which, For a lifestyle, that is the worst possible thing that you can do. You know what I mean? And over the long term, it's going to hurt your relationship with your children. I don't care how much custody you have. If you're solely just focused on that, it's not healthy. So that's number one. You're going to drive yourself crazy. Number two, you're going to go broke because you're going to have your attorney going through mounds and mounds and mounds of evidence, right? It's it's going to be absolutely crazy. What I like to coach people to do is to only document, Document things that are going to be relevant, and especially things that are going to be persuasive in court. And the only way that you can do that is to learn the rules, learn what's relevant in your court. You know, you can do that. I have I have a TikTok video of it, and then I also have a, a preparation package that I, I break it down in steps of you know how to Google to find out your state laws, how to find out what your judges you know consider in a custody case, right? Okay. So you have to find out what the judge is going to consider in a custody case, and then oh document that if what you are documenting isn't even going to be considered in your case yeah. Then there's no reason to even to, to even document it because you're going to be so frustrated with it. But I always tell people that if you can't control it, forget about it. Like if you only focus on the things you can control and if you can't control it, then yeah. what's the sense even obsessing over it, It right?
0: all boils down to control. So for instance, um, Lucy keeps coming back. It's the weirdest thing. He ruins her clothes. Like her clothes are ripped, they're dirty, they're whatever. And it's so bizarre. And now it's becoming apparent that it's, it's on purpose and d- will the judge care? And I said, well, I don't know. D- yeah. Does it have anything to do with what you're trying to prove in court or what you're trying to get? Does it? Like, you know, if it doesn't,
1: yes. it's a bummer. That, that might be like uh, if you're scheduled to go in court or if you have court coming up or you're going to have it soon, that might be like a little add-on thing, but right. that's certainly not something I would go to court over yeah. or, you know, anything like right. that. Right.
0: Might be an add-on thing. And this is the reason why I really got so addicted to your TikToks. You and I are on really the same page with when going back to your documenting and how you can really drive yourself crazy. That's why this podcast is called out of crazy town. You have to live in crazy town and live in the negative and live it. And you're documenting all this crappy stuff. And you had an awesome suggestion of if you're having to document or, and you are in that world, have a column of awesome, wonderful, yeah. positive things that you write down as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. in my preparation package, I have a, a daily journal, like a just a printout that people can print and use daily. Mm-hmm. And one of the sections in there is is things that you're grateful for. Because like what, what I, when I said the Tony Robbins quote about where focus goes, energy flows, but what also happens is I'm a huge believer in the law of attraction, right? Mm-hmm. Just because I've used it in my own life, I've seen other people use it either unsuccessfully unintentionally or successfully. I agree. Same. If you're constantly focusing on like, okay, well, what did they do today? That's bad. Or what happened today? That's bad. Or what happened? Well, you're going to get more of that. You just really, you just are, and you're not going to be happy. You're going to be a miserable person. And then over time, that's going to impact your livelihood. It's going to impact your physical and mental health. Everything. So, you have to you absolutely have to find time to write things that have happened during the day that are positive and that mm-hmm. you're grateful for and quite frankly it can even be stuff that happened with your ex you yep. know what i mean there's still things that happen that you should be grateful for maybe you had an exchange and there wasn't an argument right. you know maybe you had a phone call and there wasn't an argument it was an exchange of information right uh, whatever you know maybe uh, your child came back happy and healthy, you know, yep. so you have to take note of that stuff because if not, you know, you're going to drive yourself completely crazy. Yep. And-, and,
0: you know, just to bring this back to false allegations or protecting yourself, one little trick is to think back when you did really like this person when you were first falling in love, right? Yep. What were the things yep. that you liked that, like, put yourself back in that mode, remember those things. And maybe your kid did something funny that your ex did when you first met. And you know what I mean? Yep. And write it down. That could be something you text them hey, this really funny thing happened with Johnny today. I know he yeah. got it from you. That's going to make you look really good. And yes. so it's, it's putting yourself in a positive mode. It's looking for positive instead yeah. of negative. And you to actually benefit from it legally, possibly. Yep.
1: So. Yeah. And and it's amazing what things like that will do to a relationship too. Like, and it might not happen immediately, especially no, right. very bad blood and, and, a and very high conflict. But over time, that stuff makes people feel good. And when you feel good, like you were with this person for a reason, like you said, at one point, you know, and, it, and it's funny that you mentioned that because when, when things started to go a lot better in my relationship with my ex it started off with stuff like that like mm-hmm. and i'm certainly not trying to take credit because i'm sure she she did that some stuff like that too but i can remember being at one of our kids baseball games and she wasn't there and we were still pretty not high conflict i want to say but we we still were kind of at odds because everything was still kind of fresh yeah and our son was pitching so i took a picture of our son and i sent it to her and i just said you know hey thought you would like this you know i know you couldn't make it today or whatever not like trying to rub it in like ha, right here and you're not just you know and that's another thing too delivery is very very important um, yes But it was like right around that time when things started to to get a little bit better and then a little bit better, you know, and then a little bit better. And then, you know, I I always tell my fiance now, I feel like I get along with my ex better than I did when we were married. Yeah. You know, I'm sure. Yeah. And if you think about it, unless again, unless you're in a very seriously high conflict case, you go from a position of being married, dealing with in-laws, dealing with families, dealing with holidays, dealing with, you know, what religion you're going to, whatever the issue is, all of that is now gone and you are just focused on raising the kids Yeah, that's it not whether or not they're talking to someone else or something to be jealous about or whatever that's all gone yeah like if you think about it co-parenting should be easier based on the limitation of issues than a relationship yeah because there's not much. It's it's just let's just do what we can to raise our kids. Let's yep. just raise our kids, and that's it. Yep, you're, and, that's and, very right.
0: interesting. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. It's true.
1: Yeah, but the problem is, is there's still such an emotional attachment for a lot of people, and a lot yeah. of people can say, you know, no, there isn't. I can't stand the person. Well, yeah, well, hating the person is an attachment. That's an stronger attachment.
0: than love, I would
1: say. Yeah, it's worse. Yeah, it's because you're you're literally that's your focus. Like if you. If you hate, some, like I, I use the example of you know, if you're walking down the street, some asshole walks past you on the street and you don't know them and you're not focused on them, it's not even going to bother you at all. But if you if if you're so focused on them, like oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this, I can't believe they did that, I can't, well then your your negative energy level and again the law of attraction, you're going to bring in more. Your your energy level goes through the roof as far as negativity. So hatred, like you said, it's it's stronger than love. It, it can be
0: well and keeping in the thread of energy, uh, and I just listened to something. Else you said today, this got me through my divorce big time, especially in the moments of going to court. Visualizing, oh and my, God. This talk about trying to switch your brain over to something positive. Oh. It, it rules my life it's it's gotten yeah. me through the hardest times i've swear to yep. god i've manifested i don't care if everyone out there thinks I'm getting a little woo-woo it's yep. it's ma- helped me manifest things that have actually come true and you literally can put yourself in a physiological state of positivity and by visualizing yep. outcomes so walk me through yep. if you're what you said
1: yeah so the the video you're referencing i think is with regard to court so one of the things that i did um when i first started trying cases you know I did it a lot through the ranks as being an attorney, but I didn't start, I didn't try my first jury trial, which is like the biggest thing, you know, for a, for an attorney to do is to try a jury trial Um, in any case, but especially in a criminal case, like my, um, my first jury trial I ever did, my client was facing 20 to 40 years in prison. and That was my first jury trial and, and it was in the criminal division. I was a nervous wreck. I was, I, I had already been practicing for probably six or seven years at the time, but I was a nervous wreck. Cause I never picked a jury before I've never presented to, I like, I did it in mock trial and moot court and everything like that in law school, but I never did it. So I was a nervous wreck. So I figured I'm going to do this visualization that I used to do through my other court hearings. Right. So what, honestly, like I would literally just sit there during the day and close my eyes and visualize myself walking into that courtroom with my briefcase. Walking in with a feeling of confidence, literally like knowing, being familiar with the courtroom. If you're not familiar with the courtroom, you can go to it. You're yes, not in uh, it that's
0: a, yeah, big piece of advice. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome.
1: Depending on COVID rules and stuff like that, but sure. Visualize like I would. I would sit and visualize the smells, like what it would smell like, what it would feel like, the temperature. You know who what I what you're see, wearing. What I'm wearing. Who I would see. How I would walk in. What my posture would be like. What the judge would say when they called our case. How I would interact with the DA when they called the case, how I would interact questioning the jury and how they would answer how comfortable and how positive the whole thing was. How it would feel whenever I walked up to do my opening statement, how it would feel when the jury would be ushered into the courtroom and sitting down and the courtroom would be quiet and, you know, getting ready for the case to start, you know, how the energy would feel with me and my clients sitting there, you know, as uh, knowing that they're nervous, you know, in this particular case, knowing what it would be like when I first took my steps up to question my client or knowing what it was like when I was going to cross examine, you know, the police officer or whoever in the case. And then visualizing all the way up to, you know, when the the jury would go out for deliberations and how it would feel and what I would think, and then visualizing the, the jury foreman standing up, what the judge would say to him or her and how they would stand up and how they would read through the verdict and what I would feel with the positive outcome in the case and the energy and, you know, how my client would react and what I would do after and i did that for like the whole thing over and over and over again you, your br- the brain doesn't know the difference between a real experience and an imagined experience right that's why yeah that's why we that's why we are able to get ourselves worked up so much over these cases because we imagine all of these like horror stories that we hear and feel coming yes, true yes it works both ways right yeah right knowing that knowing that your brain doesn't know the difference well then when you then step into that courtroom you already your brain already feels like you've been there you're already going to have the confidence and confidence is like one of the biggest things that there is in the courtroom i always say that i i think i literally won my first jury trial on confidence alone the 20 to 40 case i said i got a full acquittal on eight different crimes And I, and I, I, everybody's like, well, you know, how could you defend that? Well, I believe that this guy was being wrongfully accused. Like I genuinely believed. Sure. Um, And the cool thing about visualization too, is it's only for the courtroom. Like I used to do it with, uh, conversations that I was going to have with my kids about the divorce. You know, I used to do it with converse, difficult conversations I I would have with my ex, uh, about the kids or about a situation, or I've even done it for, uh, requesting to switch schedules with yeah. My ex requesting to more time with my ex and yeah. how that would feel and go and what I would say and, you know, how she would positively respond. And that's my method of meditation. You know, a lot of people Absolutely. when they meditate, they like just empty thoughts and release thoughts. I visualize like I visualize how many people I'm going to serve on TikTok. I visualize How many people are going to I'm I'm going to serve with my program, you know, how how many people, how many testimonials I'm going to get? Like I visualize like people messaging me all the time. Uh, and I don't do that from an ego standpoint. I do that because that kind of stuff keeps me going. Like what I want to do. That's what I really like
0: connected with listening to you because I did the same thing. That's my meditation is visualizing what I want, how it's going to turn out, how it feels. Like make yourself feel it as if it's already happened. And what you were pointing out is so important details, 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 get down, yeah. visualize the smallest detail. I have this picture yep. of me in this kitchen. Oh, I know what sweats I'm wearing, what my coffee cup looks like. I can smell the coffee. You know, for instance, I have this house in mind I want. And like, I, I know what t- color toenail polish I have on. Like, it's like, yep. I can, my brain doesn't You're know that right. I don't have this house yet. You know what I mean? But it's,
1: absolutely right. it's those are
0: the things I like to meditate You're on that are positive right.
1: Yeah, I do that like all of the time. I did it uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Candy had a huge business event in Phoenix, and I visualized that whole thing. I visualized like, and now I'm certainly not trying to take the credit. She's the one that did all the work, but still, why I, my not? Point is, my point is, I do it in every important yes. thing that I'm going to go through. You know, yep. I visualize what the outcome is going to be because not only do you, does your brain feel like you've been there before, but what you what you do so, that you don't even realize subconsciously, and you do this in the reverse too for the negative, but you'll start, you'll subconsciously look for the solutions to get to that result. Yep. Like you'll, you'll all of a sudden start to like, oh, wow, well, maybe I should, uh, should say this in court, or maybe I, maybe this is, you know, maybe I should do this, you know, or for a relationship with the kids. oh I never, maybe I should say that. I never thought of that. That's going to, that it, it tricks you into like, if you're, if you're already decided on the result, well, then you're going to figure out a way how to yes. get there. Right. You
0: basically, yes, your brain starts solving the puzzle for
1: you. And yeah. it's great because
0: <laughs> it's literally, you, you can then go, let it go to the subconscious and it literally starts solving your puzzle
1: for you yeah and it's the same it does the same thing in the negative if you're constantly yeah. in fear and constantly visualizing the worst wouldn't you know it you're gonna you know you're gonna um you're gonna get the you're gonna start to get the worst you're gonna start to find the ways to get the worst like Candy's a big proponent of questions that you ask yourself you know the questions that you ask yourself like you don't want to say why does this always happen to me because your brain's going to give you an answer Ah. you know, you're going to, your, your question is going to be, how can I do blank? Or how can I achieve blank? Or how can I get this result? That's Not fantastic. why does this always happen to me? Why do they always treat me like crap? Why are you, because those are usually the questions we ask when we're pissed off or sad yeah. or depressed or whatever. Why does this always happen to me? Why am I so stupid? Why well, your brain's going to give you an answer? Yep. Like this, this happens to you because you're a piece of crap or this happens to you because no one likes you or whatever. Whereas if you say, okay, how do I change this? How, how do I fix this? How do I stop all of this? How do right. I like? How do I do this? Right? It's a huge thing for me, and it's a big thing in my program and in my consulting style, just because I'm always like I've always been a big proponent, especially in court, in life in general, but in court cases, to exploit every potential benefit that you have exploit all of the ethical and legal benefits that Mm -hmm. you have in criminal cases i used to uh sit there with a a man or a woman who would be accused of some really bad stuff and i would when i was talking to them i would put my arm around them and go in close to like talk to them just so the jury could see and feel the energy of like yep. a normal, regular human being. Um, you know, and I don't have any data to say that that's the reason why I would win or anything. But by God, I would do everything in my power to, to exploit every benefit that I possibly have. It just have. Log-
0: logically makes sense. And the other thing I love about Candy's suggestion about how you talk to yourself and the questions you ask yourself is you've moved from how could this happen? I have no control over this big negative machine happening to me into what can I control? And as we talked about way at the beginning, so much of this has to do with control. And so those questions bring it back to you and what you can control. And that feels a lot better.
1: Absolutely. I remember a few months ago on TikTok, one of the questions that I had from someone in the comments, why do I always attract narcissists? And that I did a video response to it. It's your question. It's not, it shouldn't be, why do I always attract narcissists? Because your brain's going to tell you why and you're going to keep doing it. The question should be how can i attract blank like here's the qualities i want how do i attract this and this and this and this yes it's a big, big deal. Like that, that's a big thing. And like you said, some people may listen to this and think like, you know, it's BS or whatever, but it's, it works. it's not, like, it's legit. Yeah.
0: It's completely legit. Um, I completely yep. agree with you. It's okay. I want to go over a couple of quick tips that I know. Uh, one of the things that I love that you repeat over and over and um, a lot of your material are responding to allegations like written allegations. One of your go-to, especially when it's just a bunch of BS lies that you get. And the problem is you're very triggered by this person. Maybe you've had a relationship where you've kind of almost been conditioned right to explain and say, that's not true. And you have your magic statement, which is what,
1: you know, that's not true. And that's it, period. And then people say, well, what if they come back and say that it is or what? Nothing. You Nothing. Don't, you don't say, you know, that's not true to try to convince them. You're not going to convince them of anything ever. No. Um, you do that because a lot of people were nervous that if they make allegations and you don't respond, they're going to be able to prove them in court by saying, you know, oh, she didn't respond or he didn't respond. And I, I think that's a weak tactic persuasively and legally. But if you're nervous about it, then just respond with, you know, that's not true. And that's it. Yep. You know, and, and and leave it at that. Don't do it in an antagonistic way. Don't counterpunch, you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, hit them. Just, you know, that's not true, period. And then if they keep coming, just ignore it, yep. just
0: ignore it. The thing about ignoring, which is so powerful, once you can sort of really grasp the concept and how awesome it is. Because I tell people, don't give it any more airtime. When you yeah. respond, yeah. now now you've taken this thing that's not true, and it has yeah. five paragraphs of airtime.
1: Yep. No more yep. airtime. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. And if they like, a lot of people say, "Well, when I do that, all they they just keep going and keep coming." Well, that's good. That's more material for you for Exactly. Court. Like, it's on the mind. Go. Yeah. Like once people like that know that they're not getting under your skin, they're gonna flip. Their shit for a while, but eventually it's going to have to die down. And once yeah. they do, they're going to realize what mistakes they made because now you have a lot of ammo.
0: Yep, exactly. That rambling and ranting does not look good when when you right. haven't responded and they just keep going. So again, right. mind shift. It's awesome to have a coach for and walk you through it. And I'm not going to take up any more of your time today. We could go on and on and on, because like I said, you have so much awesome material and I really feel like we click and we have the same approach to all of this. Yeah, I
1: appreciate it. Me too. Yeah,
0: which is so awesome, Um, Anthony. So Judge Anthony, first of all, real quick, everyone go to judgeanthony.com to find out more about his programs, uh, just about you in general and how to work with you. And real quick, would you tell us about the programs you do have available right now on your website? Yeah,
1: so if you go, uh, judgeanthony.com is a good resource. And then also if you just go to uh, links.judgeanthony.com and And that breaks down everything that I have available. Um, I mentioned uh, the preparation package. I have a preparation package for people that might be on a tight budget. You know, if they just want to kind of get some guidance and basically it's a breakdown. It's the custody court uh, evidence evaluator that I have. It's a five or six step process on how to evaluate your evidence for relevancy and persuasiveness. Um, And then there's a, a daily journal, a custody case mastery daily journal that you can print out and use every day. And then the third document is a custody case mastery trial preparation planner. That basically allows you to then, once you've evaluated your evidence, documented it, well, then it shows you how to then prepare it for trial and how to organize it for trial based on your witnesses and your exhibits. And that's $9.95. That's the best way for people on a tight budget. Uh, Another program that I have is Prepare Like a Custody Attorney. It's a video lesson of, I think, like seven different video lessons that break down that whole entire process I just talked about in the preparation package. You get the preparation package included in that, um, and then there's videos on objections because you have to learn objections if you're going to know how to present your evidence. You know, yeah. and I always say like learning courtroom objections, you should learn them for even if you have an attorney because it'll help you evaluate and document. Like it'll it'll help if you know it's objectionable and you won't document it. Right. Yep. My most popular programs, custody case mastery, and that's uh, seven different modules plus a bunch of bonuses. It's based on my four pillars of success in uh, any custody case, and that is your mindset, successful mindset, mm-hmm. your effective communication, your preparations, your ability to prepare, and then finally, the fourth is persuasion and courtroom presentation. Because even if you have an attorney, you have to testify. You know, you have to endure cross examination. You have to know how to persuade also on that JudgeAnthony.com, you'll see i have uh, a couple free webinars too for people that want to just get information on there and i have some a merch link too for some merch. i
0: was gonna say i love your not today narc merch
1: <laughs> yeah yeah not there's not today narc there's do you know it's not true and i think there's ga- gaslight this
0: i so, love it yeah. i love it awesome I, okay i have yeah. to go on and get myself some but yeah. thank you again judge Thanks anthony for joining yeah, me uh, this has been really awesome so you take care and uh, okay, hopefully yeah. we'll get to talk again soon
1: perfect cool Cool. Okay. Right, bye bye.
0: Hey, this is Jackie Miller. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode with Judge Anthony. You probably heard us talk about how visualization is so important to achieve positive outcomes. Log on to my website today at JackieMillerCoaching.com to get your free gift the Mental Rescue Kit. Just enter your email in the pop-up box and you will receive a free guide to help you visualize your way through your biggest stressors during your divorce or custody case.